It's great to see everyone here this morning. I'm glad they only do this spring forward thing once a year, and I'm led to understood that they, the government plans to get rid of it, and I say sooner the better, but anyhow. Well, you know, sometimes I wonder how I ever managed before the YouTube repairman existed. Uh, a few weeks ago, my dishwasher started acting temperamental, which must run in the family, because I know that Brett's mother's dishwasher acts temperamental, too. I think she got a new one, right? So I was standing by the sink, and I was doing the dishes, and suddenly I felt my feet, my sock feet, getting wet. And I think sock feet wet are one of the most miserable things in the world. It, and it was even more miserable when I looked down and realized that the water was pouring out of the bottom of my dishwasher. So I opened it up, and even though it had completed its cycle, there was all kinds of water in there, this kind of dirty stuff. So after kind of fishing through it and, and uh, getting the water all out, I pulled out this dirty filter. I thought, ah, ha ha, I've solved the problem. I washed it in the sink, I put it back in, and I thought, aha, I've got the job all done. That should do it. But you guessed it, a few days later, I'm working at the sink, and what happens? all this stuff coming out from the dishwasher and I opened it up and there's this grimy stuff in there. Now in days of old I would have gone hunting in the basement for some manual that I've long since lost or I might have done like Aunt Doreen and just thrown in the towel and bought a new dishwasher but I didn't have to do that because now there is the YouTube repairman. So I googled in the make and model of my machine and lo and behold there wasn't just one there was a whole squadron of YouTube repairmen. Like a thirsty camel, I drank in all that I could take from them. All they showed me how to do. Number one, they said, use vinegar and baking soda to clean. So I went and got it, dumped it in. And then they said, clean out the filter. Check, check, check. But it wasn't draining. Then I watched some more, and they said, you need to detach the drainers. I knew this was going to get tough, right? <laughs> So I got my flashlight and my screwdriver, watching the video, crawling in underneath, my granddaughter climbing all over me thinking this was great fun. And I screwed it off, I took it out, and lo and behold, in this drain hose, your dishwasher's got one of these too, there's a shell. And I said, how did a shell get in there? And it's blocking the flow. So I cleaned it out, just like the YouTube repairman showed me, plugged it in, and bingo, the whole thing works. And I thought, how did I ever manage before the YouTube repairman? You see, to get the problem fixed, corrected, I needed more than just a little coaching. I needed more than a written manual. I needed more than correction. I needed someone to show me how to do it. Somebody who knew what they were doing. Someone who had done it before. Someone who had been successful at doing it before. I needed an example to follow. And really, in a nutshell, that is Hebrews 11. Great examples to follow. Now, in the first 10 chapters that we've gone through in Hebrews, the writer has given his readers all kinds of information, all kinds of good teaching as to the superiority of Christ, superior to prophets and heroes and angels. And he has shown them clearly how the cross of Christ fulfilled all that was predicted in the Old Testament, all the Old Testament sacrifices. He has shown them that Jesus is the once-for-all answer to man's moral failure. Therefore, given this reality, given these facts, he has told them, don't give up, don't go back, keep moving forward in your faith. But not only has the writer of Hebrews given this 
teaching, he's also given some very sober warnings. And I've ever, as I've read through these, some of these warnings, they really cut deep. And he said things like, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? He didn't say that to people out in the world. He was saying that to people in this church. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, he says in Hebrews 3, verse 15. And then he says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10, verse 31. And there's five of these warnings that go through the entire book. Now, I suppose we all learn in different ways, and educational specialists have fancy words for this. Some of us learn by reading. Some of us learn by listening. Some of us learn by watching. And sometimes, unfortunately, I've had to learn through correction and, and warning, which isn't the nicest way to learn. But in my own life, I find I learn best, and I'm not sure how it works with you folks, but I learn best by example. Someone to show me how it's done, someone to encourage me to do it. I guess that's a visual learner and a kinesthetic learner and all those fancy words. And in the realm of instruction, I gravitate much more to the carrot than to the stick. And this chapter is all about the carrot. And, and this is why I have a friendship with the YouTube repairman. I like someone to show me how to do it, how it's done. The teaching of Hebrews 1 to 10 is rich and deep. The correction catches your attention. But in Hebrews 11, the listeners are given real-life examples of faith, encouragement from those who have gone ahead. This is not faith in theory. This is faith in action. So if you have a Bible there, in Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 4 and continuing to verse 31, as we read, as Sam read to us this morning and, and, the, and the ladies, one event after another is recalled, and the term is used by faith. And it depends on the version you're using, I suppose, but I counted at least 16 times. Verse 4 says, by faith Abel. Verse 6, by faith Enoch. Verse 7, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. You get the idea. It's a veritable review of Old Testament history. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab. Men and women who believed, but more than just an intellectual belief, for faith is more than mental assent. Dustin pointed out very clearly last week that faith is more than believing in something. It's about trusting someone, and in this case, trusting the Lord. And in spite of difficulty, in spite of hardship, in spite of all odds, these were people who unreservedly put their trust in the Lord Almighty. They staked their lives and their future in God's word. And because they did that, because they believed and obeyed, because they put their faith into action, they experienced the blessing. Now the question is, was it easy? The answer is no. For Abel, it cost his life. For Noah, it would have meant he'd been treated like an outcast. For Abraham, it meant the loss of his homeland and a life of uncertainty. For Moses, it meant a loss of prestige and possessions. So the message comes through loud and clear to these struggling group of Hebrew Christians, rejected and outcasts from the Jewish community, and marginalized and persecuted by Roman society. The message is this, you can do it. Here are some examples and encouragements of faith. Through faith, these outcasts of the past, they overcame. And through faith, you have the power to go on. Now the question is, did this message of Hebrews 11 make a difference? Those perplexed and persecuted believers of the first century, did it make a difference? Yes, it did. 
not only did they move forward, but they passed that faith on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation until 50 generations later, here we are this morning. We celebrate their faithfulness. Now, I also want to suggest this morning that those examples of faith, those men and women who inspired the Hebrew Christians, are examples for us today. People who can show us, who can show me, what it means to live by faith. People who could show us how it's done. Now, as I kind of worked through the chapter, and you know, there's, there's, there's no better way to learn a chapter than to figure out, how am I going to teach this to someone? <laughs> it puts it in a whole new perspective. How am I going to, this is great ideas, how am I going to do this? Will I tell them about all those different examples of faith and, and kind of have a little pithy saying for each one? That's a lot of stuff. Or will I just pick out a few in details? And I decided just to pick out a few. So you're kind of glad because that way we'll be finished before 12 o'clock, right? Um, so I want you to look together at Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 8, which is the story about Abraham. Hebrews 11, verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place that he was to receive. And a large section, as we've just read of this chapter, 12 verses, is dedicated to the faith of Abraham and Sarah. The story comes from Genesis chapter 12, which is the call of Abraham to leave the pagan city of Ur with all its grandeur and all its idolatry. It was the greatest city of the ancient Sumerian uh, empire and of that civilization. And he's called in faith to go on an incredible journey. So let's turn back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, and we'll get the story there in the Old Testament. Genesis 12 and verse 1, which is the call of Abram. You know, the interesting thing is I noticed on the news feed this week, actually it was last Saturday, that uh, Pope Francis had gone to Iraq to try and encourage the Christians there because it's been tough to be a Christian in Iraq over the past 20 years. And uh, part of his journey, they took him to, had a picture of him at Ur of the Chaldees. And uh, the, the big ziggurat, the, the, the ruins of it are still there. And um, they showed it to him. It was kind of interesting just when I happened to be reading this at the time. Genesis 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Turn over again there to Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed. The word which best summarizes Abraham's faith is the word Obedience. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Obedience to leave all that he knew. Obedience to seek out a new land. And as we learned in the reading, obedience even to give up all he possessed, even his child of promise, Isaac. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed. But let's read the rest of the verse here. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and then there's these very strange words. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he was going. What a strange statement. So the question arises, how could he do that? 
How could he obey when he didn't know where he was going? Well, think of it this way. Abraham was confident of his calling. He was told to leave his former life behind. Secondly, Abraham was confident of his mission, that he would found a great nation and that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Abraham was confident of his calling and he was confident of his mission. And because Abraham was certain of his calling and certain of his mission, get this, he could handle the uncertainties that life would bring him. He was not certain of where his calling and mission would take him. And that's true in my life as a Christian. And it was true in the life of the first disciples. I think of Jesus in the story in the early part of the Gospels. I just read through this in Mark. He's going along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he sees these fellows out fishing. Or, or they were fishing. He sees them mending their nets after they've been fishing. And he sees Simon and Andrew and he sees James and John. And hear the call of Jesus. Come, follow me. Hear the mission of Jesus. And I will make you fishers of men. Those early disciples, their calling, come follow me, and their mission, and I will make you fishers of men, it was clear. But did they have any idea where that was going to take them? They had no idea. They could never have imagined. As believers in Jesus, our calling and our mission is clear. But the adventure of faith is a pilgrimage. It's a life of uncertainty. I, I wondered if this concept can be an encouragement to us here at Citizens Church right now. We began this journey, I said a year ago. I guess for those in the leadership team, you began it a couple of years ago. The rest of us joined a year ago. It was about a year ago right now, we had a potluck. We were gonna have lots of potlucks. We had a potluck in the, in the fellowship hall at Woodside. And we were told how at Fellowship Church there'd be potlucks all the time. Anyhow. <laughs> we had a clear sense of calling and mission. You guys put together a great uh, mission statement. Whoever did this, it's very well done. This is our vision, and it's a good one. We exist to see people come to know and be changed by Jesus. We do this through simple gospel-centered worship, community, and by making disciples who pursue mission in Elmira. May we live up to this statement that's good that's a clarity of calling and a clarity of mission but what an adventure of faith in the details i wonder if hebrews 11 verse 8 is our verse can you see that just up at the front of the church people have you know we preach christ crucified we'd have going out not knowing where they were going <laughs> that's us pandemics online church i hate that backyards church basements all preparing us for a journey we could never have imagined and we're just beginning who knows what the next year will bring? I trust like Abram, we are people of faith, people who are obedient to our call and our mission, people who are blessed and people who are called to be a blessing, certain of our calling, certain of our mission, and open to wherever the Lord takes us. Now, before I look at the next example, of faith, that's a great example of faith, isn't it? Obedience, even though he wasn't exactly sure where he was going. But before I go any further, in these verses, there's a big theme that appears, and it's the one that we have used right through, this city to come. And I thought we should comment on it a little bit. It's just too big to miss. Um, it's the theme of, of the whole book, and we find that statement, the city to come, in Hebrews 13, verse 14. But in this passage, 
the writer alludes to this idea in a whole lot of different ways with pictures of a country, a homeland, a city. Let's read those verses together. Hebrews 11 and verse 10. This is of Abram. For Abram was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer or whose architect and builder is God. Look down at verse 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, perhaps the land of promise was a, a precursor to that country. Perhaps Jerusalem became a, a shadow of the city. But those were only faint foreshadowings. There was something much bigger. The ultimate city of God, the heavenly city, is when God's rule is complete in a new heavens and a new earth. When those faint shadows become reality. I, as a kid, always liked Pilgrim's Progress. And he's running into all these... He, he was going out, not exactly sure where he was going sometimes. And there's, there's this one time when he gets a glimpse, glimpse of the celestial city. He's going through difficulty, but he sees the city in the, in the, in the far distance. And it gives Pilgrim the strength to go on. C.S. Lewis, who we've quoted many times, and by the way, if you haven't got a copy of Mere Christianity by now, you better go get one. Um, C.S. Lewis makes this very helpful comment on the city to come. He says this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become rather ineffective in this one. Great quote here. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country, to that city, and to help others do the same. They looked for a city, a better land. Okay, let's look at the next example that I've uh, thought is one that, this one really stood out to me as well. It's, it's not as big a one as Abraham. It's kind of tucked in, and it's found in verse 23. It says this, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses' parents. And the scripture says they were not afraid. If Abraham was obedient, Moses' parents were fearless. Now, this story is also from the Old Testament, and I'm going to let you read it yourselves because it, it goes into a lot of things. Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2. Just let me say this, <clears throat> that Moses' mother had a great midwife. Um, any of you who are aspiring to be midwives, that, that's a little inspiration. But when you read through that chapter 1, chapter 2, you think they had great midwives. Um, but the big story is this, because the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, was feeling threatened by this growing Hebrew community, um, he passes a law, an edict, that every male Hebrew child shall be killed at birth. That's where the midwives come in. But Moses' parents ignored the king's order, and in the Exodus story, Moses' mother in particular is noted for, for ingenuity in hiding the child. 
Now, to say the very least, those were difficult times to be a parent. And yet today we celebrate the boldness of their faith. They ignored a wicked and a perverse law. It didn't matter to them that the most powerful man in the entire world, the Pharaoh, had put that law in place. They were not afraid of the king's law. They were not afraid. What an example of faith. Parents who believed the life of their tiny baby was worth more than the orders of the greatest man in the entire earth. As Christian parents, bringing a child into the world is a step of faith. Thankfully, we are not slaves in Egypt. But raising children in today's world is still an act of faith. Raising children, helping them experience the reality of God's love and the reality of God's justice is an awesome task. Raising positive children in a negative world requires really bold faith. 50 years ago, uh, a young couple were expecting a child, 1971. And it was also a really troubled year. The Cold War, Vietnam, racial tensions, there had been racial riots, instability, instability in the Middle East, some things don't change. Some were suggesting it really didn't make sense to be bringing children into a world like that. And the young couple struggled with their doubts. But the birth of that little child changed their perspective. And being poets, as they sifted through their feelings, they put their thoughts into words. And they left us with this. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives. That was the context they wrote that song in. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That child can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds a future and life is worth the living just because he lives. And the faith of Moses' parents was richly rewarded. Their sacrifice, their courage, it brought the deliverance of their people. For that little baby in the Nile is the powerful leader who defies the Pharaoh and leads the people out of Egypt to liberation and freedom. Parents, we have no idea how God can multiply your seed of faith. Don't give up. These are great examples of faith. Faith that is bold, like Moses' parents. Faith that just is not afraid. Faith that is obedient, like Abraham and Sarah. But before I close, I think there's one other section we need to look at, and it's that section at the end, Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 32. It's not just one example of faith, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it's many, many examples, far too many to look at details. But it's full of profound truth to encourage our faith in difficult times. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 32. And it goes like this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets. And listen to the things they did. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Up until now, it is all triumph and victory. And suddenly the writer, in the middle of this verse, flips the story. Suddenly there's a change. Suddenly it becomes much darker. 
Verse 35b, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. This is gross. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. These are shocking verses. The unjust suffering of the faithful. From the world's perspective, this is not victory. This is defeat. Yet all of these are given as examples of faith. Verse 32 to 35 tells of faith that overcame even against all odds. Notice those phrases. Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped lions, quenched fire, escaped the sword. It was a victorious faith. But then look at verse 35 to 38. It tells of a faith that endured even in the most brutal of circumstances. Listen to the words of the enduring faith. Torture, mocking, flogging, chains, imprisonment, stoned, sawn, killed, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. This is enduring faith. When we're reading the Bible, this, this is, by the way, folks, this is a big, big idea. If you forget everything else I said this morning except for the YouTube repairman, because you, you'll remember that part. You can forget that part, actually. That was just to wake you up in case you hadn't had three cups of coffee, right? But this is the piece I want you to remember. If we only hear the stories of victory in the Bible, we may falsely end up believing a success gospel. And I don't have time this morning to go into any further. I just want to leave that with you. If we only hear the stories of victory, and they are there, and thank God for victory, right? Thank God for healing. Thank God for strength. Thank God when he turned things around and we thought it would never occur, right? But if we only hear, if we only hear the stories of victory, we may falsely end up believing a success gospel. But if we only hear the stories of endurance, we may be overwhelmed. Who can ever manage this, right? But these are all stories of faith. Faith to overcome and faith to endure. And here's the key takeaway. In all of life, God's character does not change. We sang about God's goodness this morning. It doesn't change. Good times or bad times. Sometimes we say God is good. What we mean is I won the lottery. I hope you didn't. But, you know, but we don't mean things were going rough. But the key takeaway is this. In all of life, God's character does not change. God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's smile of approval on people of faith is the same have you got this? It's the same during times of victory and during times of difficulty. It's faith that overcomes and it's faith that endures. I think in our evangelical church over the past hundred years, we have celebrated, and it's good. We have celebrated the victories. Brothers and sisters, we need to celebrate the endurance. Remember this, life's circumstances do not change his love for us. It's the same in times of victory as it is in times of endurance. So, Hebrews 11. These examples of faith were an encouragement to the Hebrew Christians. I think they're still an encouragement. To, they're an encouragement to me. Faith is obedience. Taking God at his word. To the extent that we understand it, we obey it. Faith is boldness, doing what is right, even if the whole world is against you. 
And we're heading that way. And here's the last thing. It is through faith that we experience unthinkable victory. And it is through faith that we receive the strength to endure unspeakable difficulty. Did you get that? It is through faith that we experience unthinkable victory. We accomplish things we never thought could occur. It's, it's, it's beyond what we could imagine. And yet we also receive the strength to endure unspeakable difficulty that we never thought we could go through. There's a great old hymn that goes like this. Courage, brother and sister, do not stumble. Though your path is dark as night, there's a star to guide the humble. Trust in God and do the right. Let the road be long and dreary, and it's ending out of sight. Foot it bravely, strong or weary. Trust in God and do the right. Perish policy and cunning. Perish all the fears, the light. Whether losing, whether winning, trust in God and do the right. Some will hate you. Some will love you. Some will flatter. Some will slight. Cease from man and look above you. Trust in God. Do the right. Firmest rule and safest guiding. Inward peace and inward light. Star upon our path abiding. Trust in God and do the right. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this great cloud of witnesses who encourage us in our faith, men who endured, women who against all odds believed. Encourage us, strengthen us, so that we may be faithful in our Christian lives, so that we may be faithful to our generation. May your strength be made perfect through our weakness, for we ask it through the name of our suffering and victorious Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.